This is your Wednesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everyone's having a good one today. Man, it got cold. I just had to bring my daughter outside to get ready for school, and it was like, man, it was like 45 degrees warmer um, when I was outside just a little bit ago on uh, on Tuesday. But that's you know that's what we signed up for. We're not here to talk about the weather either. We are here to talk about sports and. Lots of good stuff on this show today. Kent Youngblood will join me here in just a little bit. Covers Gophers women's basketball, covers the Lynx, um, is the backup on the Timberwolves beat for the Star Tribune, does it all very well. Wanted to have a conversation with him primarily about Gophers women's basketball because we haven't haven't talked enough about that this year. And they're an interesting team at an interesting point in their trajectory. Probably better days ahead for Lindsey Whalen's team, but... How long we can keep saying that is another question, but we'll get into that with Kent here in a little bit. Intriguing name in the Vikings coaching search, uh, Raheem Morris. I'll get into that a little bit and why I think he could be a sleeper fit for this team just because he checks a lot of the boxes that you might like to have in a coach in terms of his youth, in terms of his versatility, as a coach, and in terms of the fact that he's already done this before and might have a better chance his second go-round. But first, what did I miss? It was just one of 82, but when you play at Madison Square Garden, as the Wolves did on Tuesday, when you play against your former head coach, Tom Thibodeau, as the Wolves did on Tuesday, and when you pull out a game that you have there's a version of this game that you have lost so many times in recent years and come away with a 112 to 110 win. Uh, it bears spending a little bit of extra time on. Wolves win by that score on Tuesday night. Even their record at 22 and 22 drop the Knicks a game below 500 now at 22 and 23. Interesting uh, year the Knicks are having. It's, uh, you know, not a bad year by any stretch, but we'll get into a little bit of is the uh, the bloom off the Tom Thibodeau rose a little bit now that uh, now that they're in year two in New York. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that as time goes on. I want to talk mostly, though, about the Wolves and their ability to win that game, you know, even after, you know, a, a halftime lead disappeared and went away. They were trailing in the fourth quarter. Knicks seemed like they were starting to take control of that game. And then Wolves battled back a number of different times, contributions from Anthony Edwards, contributions from Jalen Noel off the bench, um, and then a big, big bucket by Carl Anthony Towns in the closing seconds, about 30 seconds left. He gets the ball, gets uh, gets isolated on Julius Randle, you know, kind of at the top of the key, just a, uh, right above the free throw line or so, kind of between the three-point line and the free throw line, and makes a strong move. I want to hear Cat really quick talking about that move to the basket and what he saw there. Caught the ball, looked around, kind of gave it, you know, tried to hope some, uh, Julius would let his guard down just a little bit, uh, found the opening I wanted to take, I wanted to go to my left hand, and uh, just made a good move, uh, there's nothing really to it. I thought it was it was great defense. Um, just better off, you know. I, I'm a I'm a vet now, so you know I don't want to settle. Uh, I want to give myself one, one opportunity to attack and use my power and strength and also my touch. But two, um, if I was to miss, which I didn't in any part of my 
mind think it was going to miss. I, I want to give myself a chance to drive hard, get a foul, uh, feel, feel very confident going to the free throw line, making no shots. So um, I just, you know, when, you, when you've been in the league for so long, you understand what the best situation and then the best way to attack is. And I just thought that attacking the basket would give me more opportunities to win than, than not. I like that answer for a few different reasons. In in particular, um, I like the I like the answer from the standpoint of it shows some some growth from from Cat in terms of kind of understanding the situation and kind of knowing how he needed to proceed in that case. Kind of had a he seemed like he had a pretty good game plan for what he was going to do once he got the ball why it was important to, you know, not settle for a jump shot, even though his, you know, he's one of the best shooters, you know, certainly one of the best shooters on the Timberwolves, probably the best shooter on the Timberwolves, one of the best shooters in the league, if we're being honest, per, specifically for his size. But in that in that situation, you know, a, a jump shot is, you know, is fine if that's your last option late in the clock. But, you know, there's there's one way you can, there's one way you can get that, you know, one way that you can one way you can score with a jump shot usually is if you make it, and if you miss it, the other team's probably going to get the rebound because your your biggest body is out of the picture, um, and so you know he decides to go to the basket because there you've got the opportunity to either score or get fouled. Not like you can't get fouled on a jump shot, but a little bit more rare, of course. And goes to his left, has the plan to go to his left, even though he's right-handed. He's kind of got that. Uh, you know, got that good righty lefty mix, and funny he had missed a, a wide open layup on a, on a break, um, kind of on that side just a few minutes earlier that seemed like it could have proven costly. But goes to his left, gets some contact from Randall, plays through it, ends up getting a three point play out of it, makes the free throw. Wolves up two. Teams trade one free throw down the stretch. It's little dicey. Wolves almost turn the ball over. Knicks. Um, get a final desperation shot from Alec Burks that could have won the game, but it misses, and they get out of there with a win. And, you know, games like that aren't always going to be pretty, right? There's you, you, You're trying to find a way to win both of those teams. You know a Tom Thibodeau coach team is going to be scrapping at the end of that game, but those are the ones you have to find a way to close out. Those 10 to 15, maybe even more than that, games on the schedule where it's just not even just coming down to the final four minutes, but coming down to a final possession. If you can find a way to win, you know, at least half of those, and I don't think the Wolves have won at least half of those over, you know, the last five to ten years, if you do that, you're going to put yourself in pretty good position to at least make the postseason to be feeling like you're taking a step forward in growth. I feel like I saw that in the reaction from D'Angelo Russell and, and Patrick Beverly postgame. But I also want to hear from Chris Finch and Carl Anthony Towns again on what they saw in terms of being able to close out that win. Well, I mean, there's no real like blueprint to closing out games other than guarding, rebounding, and executing. So, um, you know, we we did a really good job of guarding. We rebounded the ball extremely well uh, down the stretch. We we matched their physicality, and we made enough plays to be able to do that. And um, you know, whether it was a key bucket or mostly key stops, that's that's how you need to close the game. We've we've always found ways to lose games like these, you know, so to have that kind of outcome be different now and we're finding ways to win throughout all the adversity and all all the commotion is is is, is a sense of growth from a young team. And uh, I feel also a sense of discipline, you know, for us, I think that I'm more impressed that 
with everything going on, we stood, we stayed disciplined, even with the way they were scoring in the third coming out of halftime, second, uh, second quarter as well for us to find a way to, to bunker down and, and to play great defense the way we did and to find amazing points from everybody, including, you know, shout out to Jalen Noel. Um, you know, when you have those kind of moments from a young team, it, it, it shows a lot about the character and the discipline of this team, but also the fight and uh, in a way the determination and desperation in this team as well. Uh, we talk about our goals and the goals are big. And, and for us to achieve those goals, we have to have a, uh, we have to have a sense of discipline that's unmatched by those other teams. You know, they're working, uh, they're working just like us, but we have to find ways to not only work harder, but as a young team work smarter. You know, and the game had plenty of emotion for Towns, of course. You know, he's from New Jersey. There's a you know a specialness to playing in Madison Square Garden. He talked about post game how that was always his mom's favorite place to watch him play, to watch games. Of course, she unfortunately passed away due to COVID early in COVID last April, April 2020. Um, that's almost two years ago. That's not last April anymore. Time stands still. Time flies, but. You know, for him to be able to have that moment in that game was was pretty special. And he, again, talked about that after the game as well. You know, everyone's going to get a chance to have their Master Square Garden moment. And I felt that was, for me tonight, that was the biggest moment I've had in MSG. Um, great crowd, great atmosphere, great energy. And I got to silence everybody, so that makes it even better. You know, and if we might transition to Tom Thibodeau just for a minute, just because he's of interest here still. Of course, the only coach to lead the Wolves to the playoffs since that 2004 season when they went to the Western Conference Finals, got them there in the 2017-18 season when they won 47 games. Then, of course, everything falls apart shortly thereafter. Jimmy Butler asks for a trade. Thibodeau is fired midway through the next season. I don't think he's in danger of that with the Knicks this year, but they certainly had more of a uh, more of a honeymoon last year when the Knicks were a surprising, you know, pr- surprising home playoff seed a year ago. Got the fourth seed in the East, a winning record this year. They're number eleven in the East, would be out of the play-in. Although there's lots of basketball left, a lot of teams bunched together, and you can sense some grumbling. Just you know, reading a little bit about you know questioning his substitution patterns in that game, questioning some of his tactical moves, questioning whether his message is getting a little old. And, you know, I, I think that I think that's true. It's, you know, it, it, his anytime you get a coach like that, sometimes the message is going to get a little bit old. And he, you know, after the game, he didn't really have a lot of, um, you know, a lot of great things to say necessarily. He said, we had some tough calls go against us, but we just can't put ourselves in a position like that where the refs are a factor, Thibodeau said. Had some costly turnovers in the last two minutes. They're trailing, they're gambling for the ball, and so you've got to be strong and understand what's going on in the game and how it's being officiated. The intensity of the fourth quarter is different than the first three quarters, and we have to understand that. Agree with a lot of that, although I don't know exactly what the uh, poor officiating he was referring to um, probably just uh, upset that his team didn't close out that game on its home court, even though they had, you know, had taken a decent fourth quarter lead. So 
it will be interesting to watch the rest of the Knicks season and watch how things are playing out with Thibodeau in New York. Um, the way they're playing out with Chris Finch and the Wolves right now is pretty positive, though. Up to 500 again. We'll see if they can get over that mark again and stay there for the rest of this season. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Happy to be joined on Daily Delivery Day by Kent Youngblood of the Star Tribune. Does a great job covering Gopher women's basketball, the Lynx, bunch of other stuff, Timberwolves. Um, today, Kent, I want to talk Gopher women's basketball because you know they're in the middle of their season and haven't really checked in with you for a little while. What, what do we make of this year's team? Um, you know, kind of a little bit of up and down, kind of like we've been seeing for a while here. Yeah, you know, it, it seems like, you know, like with some exceptions, I mean, they've played some of the, you know, their their non-conference schedule was, was kind of brutal. I think Connecticut's ranked, Oklahoma's ranked, North Carolina's ranked. And they were in two of those three games. Uh, they led North Carolina late. This is a team, I think, that can compete with most teams, but just has a hard time getting over the hump sometimes. There's usually a, a little lull that creates a hole that is just too much to get out of, like... Uh, in their last game, uh, they had a lead, uh, and then they lost it in the third, and 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 they were outscored like uh, fifteen to four to end the third quarter, and that was the game. Uh, really, nine zero to end the quarter, and that was the game because they ended up losing by I think they ended up losing by seven. So I mean, it's it's like they're they're not getting blown out, but they just can't seem to get over the hump against some of these teams. Now, should that will that even out a little bit as the schedule? changes or is this just another matter of you know this team missing a few pieces well i think well they they lost by three points to nebraska um in a game they led by four with four minutes left you know on a night when jasmine paul was out hurt yep so uh they were within five in the fourth quarter against maryland on a game that paul missed because she was at her grandmother's funeral so I mean they've been so they've been there in so many games, um, but it doesn't get all that much easier. I mean Iowa's Thursday, and I don't think Lindsay's ever beaten Iowa. And after that, Michigan State and Purdue, which are both upper half of the conference teams. So the Big Ten is tough. I mean the Big Ten is one of the best conferences in the country. They they could send eight play, eight teams to the tournament. It's not easy. Now I think at the start of the year there was some thought that the Gophers you know, could be one of those teams. And I imagine there still is some of that sentiment right now. But, you know, go. You know, this is year four with Lindsay Whale, and she's had her own, you know, ups and downs this year. I know she had to have the emergency appendectomy. But as we think about her tenure, do you, do you feel like they should be further along at this point? Or is this just an indication of how long it does take to kind of build, build or rebuild a program in the Big Ten? Uh, well, first of all, I think the Big Ten is a very difficult conference in which to emerge as a threat. There are a lot of legacy teams in the conference, a lot of teams that are good every year. Uh, Iowa, one of the greatest coaches in the country, in my opinion. Maryland, Michigan. Michigan was another team they led in the fourth quarter on the road in Michigan. And this is a team that just beat Maryland by like 15 points. Um, but to your question, uh, 
I think that it would. I think that if some things had gone their way, if they'd gotten a few breaks, they would be a little bit further along right now. But I, I can see how people would think that they might be a little bit further along now. So much of 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 people, so many people who follow this program are basically waiting till next year when that great recruiting class comes in. And I think that once she has those players in house, I think that expectations are going to ramp up. I was going to ask you about that. They seem to be really leaning into that class. You know, you see them talking about it on social media a lot and, and things like that. It, it it does look that good on paper, but that's a lot to put on players who haven't, you know, played in college yet. Is is that recruiting class coming in next year that special that it could be a, a program defining class if they all if all or most of them are here for that long and, and pan out? Yes, I think it can be. Uh, I was actually talking with Maryland coach Brenda Freeze the other day, and she was saying that they had recruited three of those four players. Uh, so this this was a this was a group of players that were wanted. Uh, I think maybe most highly re- re- uh, recruited was uh, Mara Braun, uh, but I mean, but that four. I mean, when when that four comes in next year, it's a top ten class. It's probably it's the best, it's the highest ranked recruiting class in Gophers women basketball history. Um, you'll have a roster that includes those four. Plus, Katie Baravich will be coming back from surgery, and you'll have Sarah Scalia, and you'll have, uh, I mean, you're, you're going to have a roster that's more than half Minnesota, which is going to be kind of interesting. If that team, I think, has success and maybe even extraordinary success, I think the fan base is going to really grow. Is that the Lindsey Whalen factor coming into play there? The fact that all of those Minnesotans decided to stay home? Is it just kind of a, a coincidence, or do you think this is where she's really making her mark, is kind of building those recruiting inroads? I think it's a combination of all of it. Uh, the associate head coach, uh, Carly Thibault Dudanis, is a great recruiter. Uh, she's been a good recruiter everywhere she's been. She had a huge, she had a lot to do with this class. But so did Lindsey, who kind of forged ties with the coaches association, AAU coaches and high school coaches, the minute she got the job, you know, back in 2018. This is this is the result of all of that. Plus I think I think these four kids knew each other pretty well and I think it became kind of a domino thing once a couple people decided to come here. I think they decided to come here as a group and see what they could do. Um so I mean I, I think it's not to say, you know, let's wait till next year, but I do think that when you have a top 10 recruiting class coming in, it creates a little bit of a buffer zone while people wait for that group to show up. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, you know, basketball, too, is a sport where you get one good recruiting class, you get three, four really good players. It can turn around pretty fast, unlike, you know, some other sports where it takes a bigger roster to do that. Um, but like you said, that's that's next year. What What can they do this year to, you know, get back into that mix? Is it just a matter of consistency, getting more people consistently healthy or how do you see that playing out well i think this team is what it is i mean assuming that they're that they don't get beset by the covid problems that is starting to hurt the men's team this team is relatively healthy and this is the group that is the group and i think what they have to this team has shown grit it has come back from big deficits against many teams but it just has to get that intangible kind of hard nose that gets them over the hump late in close games. Um, it's not going to get any easier with Iowa Wednesday. Iowa has two of the 
two of the best players in the conference. They got the, probably the best post player, maybe the second best post player in the conference. Plus, you know, a, a, you know, a player who could be the national player of the year. So, you know, they haven't won a Big Ten game at home yet, and I don't think it'll get any easier Thursday, but that'd be a good time to break through. I agree with that. Good stuff, Kent. Anything uh, links-wise that we should be watching? I believe free agency is kind of, is it either upon us or right around the corner, right? Well, they on Saturday they they started to be able to negotiate with free agents, and uh, and that process is, is ongoing. Uh, no, nobody can sign officially until the first of February. But uh, all the the most the single most important thing, uh, as far as the links are concerned, is what uh, Sylvia Falls decides to do, whether she decides to become a mother now or become a mother a year from now or two years from now, whether she decides to return. Um, if she decides to return, uh, she's an unrestricted free agent. Uh, they'll probably sign her to a deal that's close to or at the maximum, which would not leave them a whole lot of room to do anything other than maybe re-sign Clarendon or uh, maybe get another point guard in free agency. But really, free agency starts and stops with what Sylvie decides to do. Yeah, and I mean, if she, if, if she decides to retire, then the uh, Lynx have a whole lot of money to go try to find somebody else. But uh, it all kind of hinges on that. Well, and they also have a big hole to fill in the middle if she decides to retire, so it's kind of a catch-22, right? Yeah, well, and if she decides to retire, plus the fact that Nafisa Collier is probably not going to play this year, that could be a challenge. Yes, exactly, because Nafisa Collier, we found out, was about a month ago that she is also expecting expecting a baby, and that uh, that will you know, be a big part of her 2022. So it could be a significantly different Lynx team next season, depending on what happens. Yeah, it could. Um, my gut tells me they'll have fouls, but I don't have. I'm not basing that on anything really, other than a gut feeling. Um, and you know they'll have uh, a healthy Ariel Powers from the start, presumably, and she was just fantastic down the stretch last year when she got over her hamstring injury and her and her, and her uh, thumb injury. Um, so she'll pick up some of the slack, but. It's going to be a. It's going to be even if follows returns. It's going to be a challenge finding somebody as versatile, especially defensively, as Collier. Absolutely. Well, Kent, good stuff. Good catching up with you. Follow Kent's coverage. Start to be start to be dot com. We'll be covering. I'm imagining that Thursday game against Iowa and the uh, Lynx free agency as well. Um, Kent, take care. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Really good catching up with Kent. Um, nobody covers. The WNBA, nobody covers Gopher women's basketball as good as Kent does. Interesting side note, not long after he and I talked on Tuesday, Sylvia Fowles did say she's planning to come back. That was according to a league source, Kent's reporting. She is coming back for her 15th season next year, although still unclear if that will be with the Lynx because she is an unrestricted free agent. Now, presumably, it would be with the Lynx. Can't imagine why she would want to go anywhere else at this point in her career, but you know, when you are an unrestricted free agent, the, the, everything has to line up. Um, and she will take up a lot of the, the Lynx cap space if she re-signs. So would kind of lock them into what their roster would be in 2022. But that will play out over the course of the next few weeks. Watch Kent's reporting on that at StarTribune.com and in your Star Tribune newspaper. Let's talk a little Vikings coaching search a little later in the show today because I don't feel like there's this urgency anymore. There was the fresh news of the firings last week, and now we're kind of in that position where they're interviewing candidates. You know, news is starting to filter out. But one name caught my attention 
as the Vikings are reportedly interested in interviewing and have requested an interview with Raheem Morris. Um, Raheem Morris, currently the Rams' defensive coordinator, was a head coach with Tampa Bay about a decade ago, also was the interim head coach with Atlanta in 2020 after they had fired their coach. But, you know, interestingly enough, it's a... I don't know if he was, you know, the first, second, or fifth name on my list when I started thinking about this, but one thing I did not realize about Raheem Morris is that he has experience coaching on both sides of the ball, and that that intrigues me, right? He came up as a defensive coach. Um, He was a defensive backs coach. He was, you know, right now he's the defensive coordinator, you know, everything like that. But with Atlanta, he actually was the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach from 2015 through 2019. That's five years on the offensive side of the ball where he probably gained a much better, you know, kind of much better grasp of the whole, you know, the whole scheme, the whole everything you want in a head coach. So interesting to have a candidate who has experience and a lot of it, um, you know, coaching both sides of the ball. And obviously he went back to defense with the Rams this year, but you know, he's done this before. He got a lot out of the Buccaneers, even though that was not a good team he was leading. I mean, they had a ton of rookies. He led them to 10 wins in 2010, even though they, they the roster was not great. That was a pretty good coaching job. And you find a lot of these guys who, in their second real coaching stint, and he had a little bit of a chance with Atlanta in 2020, but that was just as an interim. It was not likely that he was going to keep that job. He took over for Dan Quinn after he was fired early in the season. But you know, someone like that who's you know, been through it before, has learned some stuff, has experience on both sides of the ball, still relatively young, 45 years old. I have to say he's, I love to say that he's relatively young because he is almost exactly the same age as me, separated by a couple of months, as a matter of fact. So keep an eye on Raheem Morris. I'm, I'm not saying he should be the front runner. I'm not saying he jumps to the top of my list or anything like that, but just a name that was not really front brain for me. And now that I think about it and look at his resume a little bit more, intrigues me a lot more than some of these other candidates out there. Let's finish with the cooler. One team on pause, one team starting. Gophers men's basketball team unfortunately had its game against Penn State postponed. That was supposed to be tonight. Would have been a nice chance for the Gophers to get back in the win column, but the Gophers are on a COVID pause right now. Do not have enough healthy scholarship players to play in that game due to a combination of injury and illness. So hopefully they are able to get back on the court soon. Just another reminder, as if we needed another reminder of the continuing impact of COVID on our lives and of sports, some Possibly encouraging news down the down the road. It sounds like uh, this 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 new variant, the Omicron variant, could be peaking. Might have already peaked in Minnesota and might come down the other side of the mountain just as fast as it arrived up that mountain. So we will see about that. COVID has had plenty of surprises for us, but maybe just maybe in the coming weeks things will start to improve a little bit, and we will have you know obviously less of the really, really bad stuff with COVID, and also lessen the impact on sports. Minnesota United somehow, some way, started training camp in Blaine on Tuesday. This MLS season is 
unwieldy. I feel like they never stop playing, which is kind of cool if you're a, if you're a soccer fan. But it still is kind of bizarre to me that they start training this early after after that season just ended not that long ago. But you know, here we are. Um, interesting year for them. A lot of different. Uh, you know, a, a lot of different decisions for them to make still on their roster. They made the playoffs last year. You know, ended their year ended pretty quickly though. So kind of a pivotal year for them, I think, to take another step, take the step this year that they hoped to take last year. So we will see how they are able to you know kind of incorporate some of these new players and get uh, you know get back into more of that top of the division instead of more of the middle. That will do it for today. Should have wild goalie Kapokakinen on Thursday's show. So look forward to that. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Rand. We'll see you again on Thursday.